Seinfeld, the Puerto Rican day is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who are no strangers to the Mets ultimately losing a game after getting your hopes up. I am Rob Sestrino. Here's the Keeve Winnegar. Keeve, how are you? How's it going, Rob? I think Seinfeld's officially gone too far. The Mets coming back from a nine-run deficit in this episode is the least realistic thing that's happened Right, in season typical nine. season nine that the Mets staged a big comeback. Yeah, season in one, maybe it's a 3-1 comeback. By season nine, it's 9 nothing. Yes. Akiva, are you ready to recap your favorite episode of Seinfeld of all time, the Puerto Rican oh. Day? Is this really my favorite? Yes, this was number one in your rankings, right? That's that's what I had heard. It was part of your top nine. You had been saying that for three years, you couldn't wait to recap your favorite episode. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, this is uh, a episode that we have long talked about was coming up. Uh, I believe that the most controversial outside of things like the contest which were controversial for sort of like standards and practices issues far and away the most controversial seinfeld episode of them all right keith uh yes yeah the only one that that you know and we could discuss this further like isn't really re-aired at least as frequently as the other ones uh it's the only episode right that really faced like a tr- like some of these episodes in hindsight with 20 years of wokeness don't hold up, but this is the only one that, that people back then when it aired said, whoa, 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 let's slow down here, guys. Yes, and we'll talk about that, talk about some of the moments which uh, created some controversy around this episode here in the Puerto Rican day. The last regular episode of Seinfeld before we get to our clip show and finale, Keith. Can you believe it? I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, this is this is the last, right. There's still, we still have three more, like, things to do right the clip show the finale the life frogger but Mm -hmm. in in terms of like just you know all right what's up next week this is it okay well could you take us through the schedule of events because i have been getting some messages on twitter from people who are confused why did we jump over the frogger that they don't uh, know what's going on there what's coming up next week so could you take us through the next uh few weeks and months of seinfeld post show recapping okay so yeah so this is you know this episode i guess will drop the weekend of let's say the ninth or the 10th saturday and sunday of september And so next week, the 16th or 17th, we will be uh, dropping the clip show, The Chronicle, uh, where we will... We're not going to talk too much about the episode. We might mention, like, hey, it's weird that this was in there, this wasn't in there. Um, But we will mostly be, uh, A, replaying a few clips from the uh, this show. So if you have a favorite memory from this show, uh, email in. It's best if you have a timestamp, but even if you don't, I'm sure someone could find it. Um, but, you know, say, hey, you know, this uh, thing you did in the letter or the note was really funny. Um, so send those in. And also, you and I are going to be playing Seinfeld trivia against each other. We'll have a special guest host, probably. And uh, so if you have Seinfeld trivia questions you want to be asked, you want to, uh, I guess, to be asked on that show, then uh, tweet at Chester 99 and ask him how to do it. He'll, I'll, I'm appointing him now. I haven't really asked his permission, but he'll, he'll take care of it. So ask Chester. At Chester ninety nine, uh, you know how to send it to him or DM them to him, and uh, you know he'll put them together, and then I guess he won't be the host. I think that would be too controversial to have Chester as the host. <laughs> too controversial to have another Chester appearance. Although I feel like that the last Chester appearance, for the most part, other than the Akiva list, I thought was mostly without controversy. 
Yeah, but the but the problem is like people like him and he did a good job that one, but there's there's also like the anti-Chester contingent who would yeah. like it would ruin their lives if if he was on one more time. Okay, um, well, the anti-Chester people, the anti-Chestites that they just did not listen to that podcast. Yeah, well, they a bunch of people, yeah, they said they skipped it. And people mm-hmm. were like, "Doesn't it doesn't it make you mad that like you were on like 179 episodes of the podcast but not all, like as a like as the completest, wouldn't that bother somebody?" Yes. You know, that I wasn't on one of the episodes. But the answer is no. Didn't, doesn't, like, who cares? It, you know, I'm yeah. happy I was on 179. It, it could have been worse. It could have been Chester just on one or two of them. Um, it's actually the only one you've ever listened to. So that's right. at least you got to listen to yeah. one of the podcasts. Yeah, I got to experience the, the joy that all these people get to hear every week. Um, yes. Yeah, Keith, so I would also yeah. like to do something else as part of next week's show. Okay. I'd like to go back and watch the pilot and listen to podcast number one. I, I actually listened to like the first five minutes of it earlier today, and I feel like that we should uh, like close the circle. So do you want to podcast while the podcast is playing like low? No, I think that's no, <laughs> we don't need to like play the podcast also, but we should come in with any takes we have from the first podcast and the first episode. OK, so we'll listen to the podcast, but maybe it could be a dark side of the moon thing where we'll like we could people could sync it up if they wanted to. Yes. And listening, like put that on low, the first podcast, and then put us next week talking about it on a little bit higher, like analyzing how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I got to go back and listen to a second episode of this show. <laughs> okay. There you go. There's uh, episode number two of the Seinfeld Post Show recap. All right. And then uh, in terms of the finale, are we doing anything special? Um, yeah. Oh, so for the, uh, for the Seinfeld finale, the episode, the two-part episode, the finale, I don't think we're going to do anything special. Like, there's so much to get to, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll right. have any time to play around. Um, okay. But that's going to be a long episode, I think. We may have to we might have to record that in two parts or or spend a you know, maybe uh, block out a little bit extra time. Yeah. Okay. That should be all one episode that uh, recapping the finale and then also well, we could make we could break get... that into two episodes. We could probably we could probably make that a two parter. I feel like we're going to get a lot of finale feedback, like in terms of like people a- answering people's questions. Yes, there will be a lot of finale feedback, just even just about the episode. How come this was right. in there? How come that wasn't in there? There's right. a I lot like, to discuss there. So yeah, you want to make that the, two parts? We could make that two parts. Uh, let's talk to Scott St. Pierre, but I feel like that just the mailbag for the finale could be an hour. Yeah, we also have a lot. Um, uh, we have do we do have that extra week to play with? So because th- I think that's going to be the 21st. And then Curve doesn't start till the first. So we do have one week if you want to play with. Yeah, okay. Maybe we'll just do like the mailbag after the finale. We'll end and the episode, of. and then we'll come back and maybe do mailbag feedback, stuff like that. Sounds good. The week good. of the 28th. Right. And so like, then, and then just to, yeah. Because then we'll be able to comment on the episode, and then people could write in the mailbag and weigh in on what we talked about. That's true. Um, and then maybe we should have done that every week and like be stuck well, in a vicious circle. <laughs> it would be six years to get through. <laughs> yeah, this. that's true. Uh, and then so th- and then defi- so that'll be the week of the twenty first, and as you said, maybe the week of the twenty eighth too. And then Tuesday, November seventh, at a place yet to be determined, somewhere in the Greater New York area, could be Chester's house in Englewood, New Jersey. Oh, could be. Could I mean it could be? I don't know. I haven't asked him, and it probably doesn't make any sense. But I'm, uh, you know, if I said we're doing it, he probably wouldn't stop me. I don't think Doctor Jen would be thrilled with that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it could be in my mom's basement uh, in the five towns of Long Island. It could be. It could be anywhere. It could be like me and you at a Dunkin' Donuts somewhere. I don't know, but okay. somewhere. But, but no. But more don't. realistically, hopefully, it'll be somewhere where people could hang out with us and watch and listen to the podcast. Uh, we will be doing a live show. I guess at night, probably Tuesday night, November seventh. 
Yeah. Um, late I mean, afternoon? It, it, late afternoon, early evening. Uh, yeah. You know, that night before the know-it-alls is a pretty uh, full dance card for me. But uh, if we could start around six, that would be uh, ideal. Right. And we don't really have a, a good gauge of, of how many people are going to come. So if you are interested, you don't have to commit or buy anything right now. Just if you're interested in, uh, in like, you know, hey, I want to be there, just send us an email or a tweet and say, like, I'm thinking about coming or I'm definitely coming. So we have a good idea of, like, hey, we need a place that holds eight people or a million people. You know, if we need to rent out Madison Square Garden, I feel like we got to get on that very soon. But <laughs> okay. like my mom's basement, I could probably book the weekend. Can they hold so. a million people at Madison Square Garden? Um, I mean, we have very thin uh, listeners, so probably yeah. we could hold more like than that. Like, maybe they probably have to come in like 25,000 at a time. Yeah, well, we could. Well, that would be great. We could do like Billy Joel, do, do like 12, 12 shows. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll helicopter so, in like him. All right. That's what's coming up. Uh, let's talk about Seinfeld, the Puerto Rican day. And uh, this is one uh, that has a lot of. <laughs> they say that a, a success has many fathers and a. <laughs> And a failure is a bastard, but that is not the case for the Puerto Rican day. It, no. I, well, I think we, when we spoke to Melman, right, he said he said then that he knew like, oh, this was a bad idea. But nobody, you know, th- th- I think the ball had gotten rolling. You know what this episode really feels like if you're if you're viewing it from the perspective of like this is the one before the finale. It feels What's like, that? right, that there's no that there's no cook in the kitchen here. It feels like their eyes on a different ball. Maybe people are a little bit checked out. It's not like they have to worry about keeping their job for next year. So it seems like both like someone maybe should have been steering the ship better. And, you know, and, and, and also like it's it just like, eh, who cares what happens here? We're really more yeah. focused on next week. A little bit of senioritis yes. uh, going on. What are we going to do for the finale? I mean, objectively, do you like that this is a bad episode? It's not a good episode. It, I, a few tweaks and it could be a competent average episode. I don't think it's it's definitely not to me. Uh, but if somebody said, hey, this is to me, this is like my 84th favorite episode. I wouldn't say you're, you're a moron. I don't think this is in anybody's top 10. Uh, yeah. When I did that thing where I like I found that, you know, every episode was someone's favorite. I guess there was somebody who said, like, Puerto Rican Day, uh, and this is not called the Puerto Rican Day Parade, which is annoying to say, but Puerto Rican Day, that's my favorite episode. But uh, that person mm-hmm. is wrong. I don't, I just don't, I, you know, like, I don't know. It's a weird, I mean, I guess we'll go through it, but it's, uh, to me, it's like, uh, it's a little bit deflating before the finale. To be honest, I mean, I thought that there's some fun stuff here along the way and not uh, obviously the the greatest episode. But I actually really went into this episode and this rewatch really like bracing myself to be offended. And, oh, I can't believe they did that. And I knew that Kramer had burned the flag during the episode. But I actually was surprised with how tame I thought it ultimately ended up being. Yeah, there's just two things, right? The, the the main thing, the thing that got them in trouble that they should have known not to do, is when when Kramer accidentally light, lights the flag on fire. And obviously, right. there's no malice from from his, you know, and it's not like they're endorsing this. But I think most people know that like flags are generally treated with respect. Um, I, I you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of like laws with the American flag, right? Like when you you know if you're like let's say at uh you know an italian american club let's say and they had an italian flag like the american flag has to be on top of the italian flag right that's like it you need to fly the american flag on top there's like flag depositories right you're supposed to show so much respect to the american flag you're not supposed to throw it in the garbage even right you're supposed to give it you know put it in some place i don't know if they bury it or i don't know what they do with them but like you're not even supposed to throw them out so like clearly it's it's an item that like we're expecting ourselves to treat with respect so they should have known not to light a flag on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
but like ultimately, the, like for it not to be for the episode not to be aired just because of this, and like they could like blur it out or cut the scene. Uh, you know, it's probably a little bit too, um, you know, too woke, at least from 1998. And Jerry said, like, the, you know, Jerry's complaint was that the people who were protesting hadn't even seen the episode yet. Like, it was just getting out. You know, whoever watched the episode didn't like it, but it wasn't like there was clips playing on Twitter the next day. If you didn't see it, which a lot of people probably didn't, you know, most of the country, even though this is the, this episode was was, I think, watched by almost 60 million people. Wow. You know, it was closer to like the finale than to a normal episode. Yes. So this was, you know, because people thought like, oh, maybe they're setting up the finale, which obviously they don't at all. The only, yeah. the only, the only thing that they mention that's like finale related, right? They don't, not even mention, but like at the end of the episode, right? The, the absolute last thing is they're like, hey, where did we park? Which is just like a shout out to a classic episode, right? To the parking garage. Right. A little bit of a callback. All right. So let's get into the episode and we see the core four and they are driving home from a Mets game. And, uh, you know, just in in terms of like what they were trying to do, you get the sense that the idea here was, okay, it's season nine. Let's go back and do something that is a throwback to a time gone by of the Chinese restaurant, the parking garage of the gang is walking around and or waiting for something to happen and they're not in the usual environments. Yeah. And by the way, like, I I wish we had counted how many times the core four is even in the same scene like this, because it's really much lower than I think most people would uh, would assume. Right. Right. They are. I mean, you go a season without like all four of them in the same, especially outside the apartment. It's very rare. Monks, they tend to... Uh, yeah, outside, like, yeah, but that's true. I, I, but even in Monks, more often than not, it's not all four of them, but it certainly happens. I'd say if you take out the apartment, take out Monks, all four of them, it's, it's, there's not a ton, especially in the last like three, four seasons. So we are on our way home from a Sunday day game at old Shea Stadium, and wouldn't you know it, Keeve, the Mets are getting shellacked. Yeah, they left because they were losing so badly. Yes, I believe the Mets are down 9 nothing in uh, this fictional game. Do we know who the Mets were playing? No, not it's not mentioned. Okay. And so George ended up eating uh, quite a bit at the ball game. Really, that uh, sort of is a red herring. It gets brought up here. But, uh, you know, at the very end of the episode, he's looking for a bathroom. But it seems like that's more just like to wash his hands. Just uh, the George uh, overeating storyline does not really turn out to be anything. No, it doesn't doesn't really go anywhere. Like, you know, he needs the bathroom, but it ends up being Kramer who really needs the bathroom more than him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and so as they're driving, do we know what road that they are on, Keeve? No. Okay. They Jerry gets cut off by uh, someone in a maroon golf. That is uh, the name of this character. That is Jerry's uh, arch enemy in this episode. Right. This is Mario Joyner, who oddly was is in another episode as himself. Right. Mario Joyner is like a comedian who's I don't want to say super famous, but like, you know, like right. a known comedian. He was I and believe, he was Jerry's friend. He went to the movies. He's with Jerry's Jerry. friend. Yeah. Yeah. He went to the movies with Jerry <laughs> in real life. He was a writer for The Chappelle Show. I think he even did a couple bits on The Chappelle Show. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's weird that he played himself and now plays like an enemy of Jerry. It's a little strange. OK. All right. So Jerry is feuding with this guy. And what is Kramer's idea? He suggests that they moon Maroon Golf. And it seems as though 
everybody ends up doing it. Now, what's weird here is that they're in a convertible, but they're talking about rolling up the window. I, that yeah, I did it's not insane. get. I, I, th- I wonder if like, I don't know. I, I mean, it must have been in the script before they realized that Jerry would be driving convertible and they just never like changed the script. Like there's something very off there. Yeah, it's I'm really weird because no one wrote in and like we have a lot of nitpickers. Not one person wrote in and said it, but it, it was, you know, I circled in my notes like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, they're not pretending. So, it's not like they're pretending that the, it's a really bad green screen, but it's not like they're pretending that the car is windows like it's clearly convertible the whole episode. They're also not only is Kramer going to moon him, but it looks as though that George and Elaine are also going to moon them. And I feel like that this is very odd. The uh, co-ed mooning. I feel like that this is very unusual. And I kind of feel like that, uh, you know, uh, and again, this might just be, you know, I'm not up with the times, but, you know, a uh, a woman mooning somebody mm. in, uh, you know, on the this feels like this is an accident waiting to happen. Like she's going to cause accidents in the like, <laughs> from other drivers. I feel like that a woman. Uh, and we spent 175 t- of these bad boys like trying to, you know, say women can do everything the men can do. They can. Now you're they coming can along do, here right. at the the second to last episode and saying women can't moon people. Right. I just don't know if Maroon Golf's reaction to Elaine taking her pants off is going to be, hey, I'm offended. Hey, right. get that out of here. And he never brings it up the rest of the episode. Like, hey, where's where's Mooney? Yeah, McGee I just there? saw your butt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she did that. I mean, it's almost like uh, a whip him out Wednesday uh, scenario. Do you remember um, like when mooning was cool? No. That, have you ever mooned somebody? <laughs> Um, I, I try to think. I, I probably did in college. I think mooning was really big in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. I, I, you also like mooning when you're an adult is 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 a weird move. There's very mm-hmm. few opportunities when you're an adult where mooning is normal. Um, but when you're a kid, I think it's an option on the table. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm, you know, I'm gonna like moon you or something if you don't like give me your a piece of like that pretzel or something. But I, 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 I think it's maybe gone out with the times. Like, I, if you're like a young kid, you maybe just finished high school and you listen. Like, let us know if people are still mooning each other or if that's like a thing from from like '80s movies at this point. Yeah, when was the last time any person in uh, anywhere was On mooned? Earth. Yeah, was mooned. The la- Why is it so bad to be mooned? Like, I mean, who cares at this point? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, the mooning is like basically saying, like, "Ooh, you're going to see that, and it's going to be like, bo- it's going to bother you." Yeah, uh, we have literally had a uh, solar eclipse uh, since last time that anyone was mooned. Well, that's the, the ten days ago. We've had two <laughs> solar eclipses, you should say. <laughs> we'll have another one before anyone gets mooned again. Ah, that's that makes sense. <laughs> that's the next time a moon will be passing in front of anybody. Okay, so we uh, have our like opening credits, and then we come back. We're still in the car. George is talking about how he recently went to go see the Hindenburg film called Blimp, the Hindenburg story. Must have gotten greenlit after the success of Titanic there in 1997, Keeve. There really weren't a lot of cash-in to Titanic things that I think people thought. I mean, obviously, Titanic took a zillion years to make and was super expensive. But, like, right, you didn't see, like, a Lusitania movie. That would have been very interesting. 
Right. Or any other famous disasters. Right. Plane crashes or, or boat crashes. Like, you could have seen a lot. Or, or earthquakes. Like, I guess, the, you know, earthquake movies were very big at this point in the late 90s. There was a lot of, like, TV earthquake movies and volcano. You know, they had the volcano movies and the earth. But you're right. They, they didn't really rush in. But the, the, the fake Seinfeld writers did a good job here with Blimp. Yes. And so George got a big laugh because right in the middle of the movie, which is uh, you would think that that would happen closer to the end when the Hindenburg goes up, because I don't know where you go from there. But uh, George blurted out, that's got to hurt. And the audience went nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's all the timing. Right. But I think that's a good line. Yeah. It's a little bit. I mean, it's the people are dying. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing cases. about the Hindenburg where it's different than the Titanic is the Titanic hits the iceberg and then, you know, hours go by before the ship is ultimately completely in the water. The Hindenburg, like, I feel like goes up pretty quickly. Right. It just catches fire. And then and then that's like it. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just to say it like a, you know, a explosion in the sky that's got to hurt. I don't know uh, how many people would find that humorous, but, um, you know, we won't quibble with maybe the reaction wasn't as great as George thought it was. Right. Maybe he got one laugh, but it was like uh, someone next to him. So he thought it was a real hit. He thought he was killing. Or he got nervous. He might have gotten nervous laughter. (laughs) Nervous laughter. Definitely. All right. So we see the gang and, you know, it's very recognizable to us, I think, at this point that we are on our default Seinfeld New York City street set. But we are in bumper to bumper traffic. Yeah. uh, What do you think of the sets in this episode? Because it's certainly when they're driving before they get into Manhattan. It's very green screeny. Very green screen. But then we've just basically like taken the default Seinfeld street and just packed it with cars. Well, this is a different one. It looks a little bit like the default Seinfeld street. But this is actually uh, in the inside look. They say it's like a lot in Universal Studios. Okay, so they went to a different place. Okay, but but you could tell it is still a Hollywood lot. Nonetheless, Uh, Kramer, uh, you know, uh, quickly is the one to realize, um, you know, mucho trafico. uh, We find out that it is the Puerto Rican Day Parade, Keith. Now, uh, is the Puerto Rican Day Parade uh, held, uh, you know, a, a specific time of year? I think most of the parades are. I think like, isn't there like a Columbus or an Italian one that's like always the like in October? You would think it would um, be Columbus Day. Yeah. Columbus. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think the parades are generally like the Dominican Day Parade is, I think, a little earlier in the year. The Puerto Rican Day Parade is a is a little bit later, I think, than the uh, than you know, because this is what, March 7th. Mm-hmm. So I think it's normally in June. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a real parade and yeah. it's, it's very festive. Do they still do all these parades in yes. uh, New York City? They, they, Absolutely. They, they still do them? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I would walk to like, I would, you know, I would, I would when I worked in, uh, for, in football, I would work in the city on Sundays and like they'd be setting up these parades every single Sunday. There's always a parade or like a protest or a march. Like it's always Fifth Avenue or some other street being cut off. Yes. Um, but I everyone know. knows it. Like uh, yeah, there's no, there's no way these morons wouldn't have known like, we have to avoid like the major streets on on Sunday in Manhattan. It's insane that they got stuck. Right. I can remember as a kid, uh, my dad uh, not liking uh, any particular parade that that was uh, like a lot of aggravation for the police department. 
Oh, right. Oh, oh, I thought you meant as like, I don't want to bring my, my kids. You're saying it was, it was work for him. It's yes. annoying. Yes. Yes. I, I, that, I, I, that, uh, and maybe I'm misremembering and maybe it was like, oh, okay, well, that's overtime. That's good. But I feel like that, uh, no, it was like more of a pain in the neck and not any particular parade, just all parades. Yeah. And now, did you ever go? Is there a parade that you would go to? No, I was never uh, taken to any parade that was outside of my town. Now, I always dread it. What about and never you never went in for the Macy's parade, the Thanksgiving parade? No, no. My kids would like to go either beforehand or afterwards. They liked seeing the the floats being blown up, a la Woody Woodpecker on Seinfeld uh, or or deflated because it's so cool because like one minute it's enormous and it's like up to like the 20th story of a Manhattan building. And 20 minutes later, it's literally in, like, a garbage carton. Like, it, it's, you know, they roll them away, and, like, one person could easily put, you know, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so th- those my kids liked going to when they were little. I would bring them. I, you, but our school would make them, would make us go every year. It's usually the first June, first Sunday in June. The second Sunday would be the Puerto Rican Day Parade. The first Sunday in June would be the Salute to Israel Parade. So, like, all the local schools, uh, Long Island would make us go in and I hated it because it's like a whole day. You're sitting out there. It's like I, you would march at 1030. But then my dad, who's a teacher, would march at three. And then my sister, who's in another school, would march at like five o'clock. Like it's a whole day. And then you're just marching and it's annoying. And then you're waiting for everyone. But you can't find people because, you know, like the cross street is the parade. Like it's impossible to find people, especially pre everyone having a cell phone. It's very mm-hmm. annoying. It was the, it was like I literally took the SATs uh, the day of the parade just to just to like get out of going to the parade from school. <laughs> yeah. Back when people used to take the SATs cuz they had to, not just because they not lost for their fantasy, fantasy football. football yeah. Oh yeah, if my like wife said let's take let's go to the parade I'd be like sorry, I lost the fantasy football bet. I'm going to the parade this year. <laughs> All right. So, uh we have Elaine and Jerry uh you know are the ones that say, "Oh no, it's the Puerto Rican Day parade because uh, the 5th Avenue is shut down." Kramer gets out of the car and goes and checks it out. Uh we have a moment where Kramer jumps into the wrong car and he says, "Well, all the streets are blocked." I think every Puerto Rican in the world is out here. Uh, And then he is in a different family's car uh, and they say, well, it is our day. Uh, And uh, Kramer, very embarrassed about that mistake. I think they're trying to like make it super like uh, positive towards Puerto Rican people. But I I just think everything they do is like a little bit forced or flat. Mm hmm. Right. Like it is our day. Like it's almost like he says it almost negatively. Like I think every Puerto Rican in the world's here. But. You yes. Know, not in like a really derogatory way, but in sort of a neutral way so that the guy has to kind of correct him. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of felt like that that line was, you know, and I, again, I don't want to like uh, split hairs, but I feel like that that yeah. was worse than the uh, than the line at the end of the episode where Kramer says uh, it's like this every day in Puerto Rico. Because I yeah. felt like that, that was meant to sort of like it's like a party there uh, right. where this was almost had like a negative connotation, as you said. Right. But the line you said that got them pr- possibly in more trouble than burning the flag, like long term. In mm-hmm. a short term, it was the flag burning. But long term, that's like probably the line that would be cut. Like, if I had to cut one of those things, I'd cut that line before I cut the flag burning. Yeah. So we have uh, Bob Murphy making a, a uh, cameo a here. Yes, a very, very nice to hear. And uh, the Mets scored two runs in the eighth inning, I guess, uh, getting it nine to two. And uh, we see Elaine begin to discuss how she is going to miss 60 minutes. She hates to miss 60 minutes. It's part of her Sunday night unwinding ritual. 
Jerry does not like 60 Minutes, that he can't wind down with that clock ticking. Keith, where are you on 60 Minutes? I'm not a big 60 Minutes fan. I mean, once in a while, I'll see something and I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. The problem with the internet now also is, like, if anything interesting happens on 60 Minutes, it'll just be, like, up on Twitter in 10 seconds. You know, it's like if anything yeah. newsy happens there, you'll just like you'll you'll hear about it. You don't have to watch the whole thing. Uh, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, oh, we got some interesting interview with like a dictator who no one's ever heard of. You know, no one's ever heard from. Uh, so I don't I, I like 60 minutes. If I was like forced to sit down, I would watch it. But, I, you know, it's always I don't like the ads. First of all, the ticking. It does make me a little nervous, like they say here. And yeah. I also I also um, don't um, I like when uh, when like football's running late. And it's like 60 minutes is going to be like from like 8.14 to 9.14. I'm like, good. Screw 60 no, minutes. No, it screws everything up. Yeah. Uh, I got a few problems with 60 minutes. Okay. Uh, number one, okay? The show is called 60 Minutes. It's an hour show, yet it's a stopwatch. You're measuring seconds. Not, it's not that the show's not called 60 seconds. If the show was 60 seconds, it would make sense. You got a stopwatch. You know, it's not a minute show. It's not on YouTube. Not sixty seconds, so right. Um, it, it should be like a, a clock does not tick that fast, right? So it should just be tick, tick like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because that, that's an hour. That's what sixty. That's sixty minutes. Uh, second of all, I think that the problem for me with sixty minutes in twenty seventeen, too many people that should not be in high definition. Uh, you know, Ooh, not to yeah. uh, look, I, I don't want to shame anybody, but, you sure. know, you've had a lot of people who have been on the show, uh, not even, the, you know, the late great Andy Rooney, but you got a lot of people um, that are maybe, you know, where were standard definition news staples and the, the HD, I don't know. That should be the one show a week they could do in in, in standard in, in, in SD. That's now in SD. Idea. Yeah, That's for, not for the fall season. That would be like, because what are they, like, they've been on for like 60 years, right? And like, what do they have to, <laughs> what do they have to like promote? What if this year they're like, we're going to be the first show ever to go back to SD. I don't think mm-hmm. they'd lose any viewers over that. No, they wouldn't lose one viewer. Yeah, so I think they should. Plus, like half of their audience doesn't even have HDTV. Yet. Nobody's gonna be like, "Oh, well, I guess I'll watch Megyn Kelly now because uh, 60 Minutes isn't in HD." They have a lot of. Is Katie Couric on 60 Minutes? No, they do have like sort of like a wacko uh, like panel of like sometimes it's like, "Oh, and here's Anderson Cooper." It's like, wait, wait, he's on this show? Yeah, I think Cooper is, Cooper's involved. Yeah, they have like a lot. You don't see much Kathy Griffin anymore in 60 Minutes. Though. Yeah, it's almost like SNL where it's like, well, hold on, is Alec Baldwin in the cast or not? Like He's right. on it. He's right, on right. it here today. I don't know. Like, you know, uh, so that's <laughs> we're doing a lot of time on 60 Minutes today. Or <laughs> yeah. all, all 60 Minutes. Listen, the show's ending. If you have any more 60 Minutes material, Rob, it's probably the last time it's going to come <laughs> up. So it. do it now. Yeah. Okay. The team for 60 Minutes. Uh, Steve Croft, Scott Pelley, Bill Whitaker, Nora O'Donnell. Oprah is on the team. Yeah. L. John Wertheim, Bill Owens, Leslie Stahl, Anderson Cooper, Lara Logan, Charlie Rose, uh, Sharon Alfonsi, uh, Jeffrey Faker. And, you know, a cast of thousand. Wertheim is the Sports Illustrated's tennis writer. I don't know if he's doing it on 60 Minutes. <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Um, By the way, this is true. Uh, I, I I like tennis, so I once wrote in and said, "Was the L stand in L. John Wertheim?" And he wouldn't tell me. Like in 2003, <laughs> I emailed him on Sports Illustrated, and he would not respond. 
<laughs> I mean, he responded. He was very friendly. I asked him much questions. Like, I can't tell you what the L stands for. Yeah. Uh, it's probably something very basic, and uh, he just wanted to seem exotic. You know, I once had a boss who wouldn't, um, wouldn't let me know their middle name. Um, like, and, like, well, I think we needed it. We, like, sometimes, like, needed it to send forms out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I even, uh, like, I became, like, friendly with her mom, because her mom would always come into the office. And I, uh, I asked her mom once, and she, like, and her mom was about to tell me, and she shut it down so hard. It was, like, the only time I almost got fired. She was, like, I, we, we was clearly joking, but she was, like, insanely furious. Yeah. By the way, L stands for Lewis. He must have, like, it's 14 years ago. The, the gig is up. <laughs> he doesn't. Why, why is that a bad name? Google That's my dad's name. Why, Google got him. Yeah. Why can't you can't say that your name is Lewis? Yeah. All right. So the gang is trying to get over. There's an alleyway which uh, might lead them out of this uh, traffic madhouse. And so the gang is trying to get over. Uh, George is like trying to like stick a hand out. Uh, Elaine ends up flirting with the guy. They end up moving over. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes Maroon Golf to block the way the same guy from the freeway that jerry got into the encounter with that everybody mooned him that didn't seem to bother him for uh, whatever reason and the thing that annoys me about this episode keeve maroon golf seems content to spend the rest of his earthly time blocking this alley from jerry i mean we're talking about people, right, the core four, who would do anything just for, the, you, know, the, you know, like the slightest petty reason. So I do think it's fun for them to, like, really meet their match here in the second to last episode. But Maroon Golf would get his ass kicked if this was real, because there would be some a-hole behind Maroon right, Golf. Right, wouldn't be from Jerry or, or his Kramer horn all day. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the rest of the traffic on, you know, leading on to Fifth Avenue wouldn't say, well, I guess Maroon Golf has a petty disagreement with this guy, yeah. so I guess he can block that alleyway and, and, and stop a whole lane of traffic today. Unless the people, like, in front just don't see, like, who the real reason, you know, what the reason they're stopped is. But, yeah, no, in 1998, he would get stabbed. He would actually get stabbed still, probably. Right. So, and, uh, you know, the police would come and they would say, ultimately, like, hey, get out of the way. I don't care if this guy cut you off. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, Maroon Golf is, is really the villain here. Right. So Elaine gets out of the car. Uh, she tells them uh, via con Dios, which I believe is also said in uh, the Urban Sombrero. Via con Dios. What does that even mean? Uh, I think it means go with God. Okay. Yes. Um, and so they end up, uh, Elaine goes her way. Uh, George is going to go into the movie theater. He has another opportunity to see uh, Hindenburg or Blimp, the Hindenburg story, and says he needs to go perform and compares him saying that line to what Jerry does. He says performance. Isn't that what you do? Yeah. No, I mean, it's similar. And Kramer has a good line where like it's a bigger audience than Jerry's performed from her in a while. <laughs> yes. All right. So Elaine is in the back of a taxi. Uh, do you recognize the taxi driver, Keeve? No. Who is he? Okay. Uh, his name is Dayton Callie. He has been in a lot of shows. Famously, uh, that he played Wayne Unser on Sons of Anarchy. I believe that is his uh, biggest role. He was also in Deadwood. Uh, he has also been in Fear the Walking Dead this past season. 
Yeah, I think Vicky wrote it and said that she recognized him from Walking Dead. Um, no, he's. He, I, I could see how he's a that guy, but I didn't recognize him uh, offhand. Yeah. Oh, but he's a regular uh, on Sons of Anarchy. Well, yeah, I mean, he was a main character on that show. And Deadwood, those are really his uh, two big claims to fame. What about John from Cincinnati? He was Steady Freddy. <laughs> Did you watch John from Cincinnati? No, but uh, I feel like, you know, he was the reason it sank. There's the reason there's, you know, if you're at HBO season, HBO series that doesn't get a second season, like something's always gone horribly wrong. Yeah. Because, like, if you're good, then they'll give you a second season, right? Let's like, write nobody the watched book, the wire. Keeve. Let's, let's write yeah. the book of, you know, HBO dramas that didn't get a second season and what went wrong. Like, we'll have... Let's do... I mean, what about vinyl? Just like a, a one-off podcast, like, uh, next year? Could we get Alan let's, Sepinwall to do an interview with us? I... A hundred percent. Sepinwall would love that stuff. Yes. Okay. So, besides from John Cincinnati, what do we have? We got Vinyl, which was, like, Chester's favorite show. <laughs> that got canceled. <laughs> For real? I think he loved Vinyl, yeah. Um, so John from Cincinnati, I, I think, and also if you get two seasons with HBO, you usually get like eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about, um, the horse show? Was it called Luck? Oh yeah. Luck. Oh yeah. Well, they, they had a lot of problems. They killed the horse, right? Well, right. Luck actually got a second season, but then like all the horses started dying. Mm-hmm. They actually canceled it mid second season. Yeah. I don't know. What are the other what are the other like? Uh, we'll go through it. We'll go through it. Yeah. The uh, like freaks and geeks type shows. Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about uh, comedies, only dramas that didn't get a, a second season in this book. Oh, I, the HBO comedies that get canceled after one season are, are like a bomb. Too many. Too many. OK. So, you know, I think there's something else that's interesting about this episode, Keeve. And tell me if you think that that this is happening in this episode, that there is almost like a especially in the Elaine storyline, this idea of sort of like making fun of the first world problem where Elaine is sort of complaining about uh, she's all worked up. She can't get at home because she can't get to watch 60 minutes and unwind my problem with elaine is like that she doesn't know the subway system exists because she could e- you know easily take a subway home and be home in time for 60 minutes <laughs> yeah you have to think um, it's what is it 4 30 when they're like they leave the met game probably three o'clock in the middle of the game it's no it's four o'clock now 4 30 yeah she's uh very upset that the cab is not moving fast she's also upset that somebody's uh dog has their ears uh in a weird way and she doesn't like what the dog looks like and she's like uh yelling about that she gets out of the cab she says she can walk faster than uh dayton callies can drive then uh, immediately the cab starts moving she gets back in and she's uh harassing dayton callies uh yeah worse than Gemma used to uh, by the way, the, the other HBO series canceled after one year, uh, Tell Me You Love Me and K Street, which feels like it was like a very early House of Cards. Yeah. Tell Me You Love Me. Yeah, it was a lot of like, um, it was like a little Cinemaxy, I think. Whoa. And, and they got canceled? Yeah, I think there's a therapist and they all go to the therapist every week. There's a few couples and they go to the therapist. Okay. You um, Google it. Make sure the kids aren't around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Keeve. Uh, so we see George in the movie, and uh, George meets a new nemesis in this episode. There is a guy in the movie theater that has a laser pointer. I, I think laser pointers were so big in the '90s too. I'm not sure how like how popular they still are. Yes. Uh, was this a thing? Did people used to go to the movie theater with a laser pointer 
And because people seem very tickled by mm. the laser pointer guy that he's referred to constantly as, hey, you're that guy with the funny laser pointer. I think they used to do it. The pro- I think the problem with the laser pointer, the reason why it came in, went in and out relatively quickly is because like there were actually studies done that said like it's really bad for your eyes, which is alluded to in this episode, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a mo- movie theaters would have taken this very seriously. Like you would have been kicked out, probably banned from the theater forever for doing this. Yeah, you would think so. And then also, I think that the uh, scope of the sniper rifle, I think that that was also a security threat, especially, you know, in 1998, it's all fun and games. But, uh, you know, we are about three years and change from 9-11 where we're going to start uh, taking security a lot more seriously. So the laser pointer is going to have a, uh, a real uh, short uh, ride here at the top. Uh, yeah, no, the, it, was, it was king, but just for a day. <laughs> for a short while. You can still play with your cat and have the, your, your cat or your kids uh, chase the laser pointer. Um, yeah, no, I think my kids even have one, but I think they're not as strong anymore also. Like the kitty ones are not as strong. Okay. All right. So um, George then goes into the concession stand and then he uh, talks to the laser pointer guy. And uh, George is almost Jason Alexander plays the scene like uh, it's almost like he's starstruck by the laser pointer guy. Right. He's like there's a weird jealousy thing for for the laser pointer guy. Do you know what you know, it's like a weird little thing also at the end of the scene. What's that? He he's talking to the laser pointer guy in the in the uh lobby first of all buying a lot of candy in the middle of the movie is an insane move yes you buy your candy before the movie starts right now is it possible that laser pointer guy was doing the laser pointer during the coming attractions is that possible Oh yeah maybe he was like he wanted to get in there early you got to get a good seat right to do like you need the optimal laser pointer seat so you could be right. Now it's like, oh, this is a break. This is too serious. I'm not going to do the laser pointer now. I'm going to load up on some, uh, some, some sugar. So yeah. that's not a crazy idea. But then George says to him, like, when he's bothering him and you realize, like, the laser pointer guy's not super interested in George, he's like, I'm going to leave you to your meal. Mm-hmm. Now, George just said a few minutes ago that, like, eating 10 hot dogs at a ball game doesn't even count. But eating candy at a, at a, at a <laughs> movie theater is a meal now? We have to ask Banya. Yeah. I don't think this is a meal. So George, uh, when he talks to that guy, he says, excuse me, are you the guy with that funny laser? And the laser guy is offended. He says, the laser's not funny. I'm funny. And I do feel like that there is, and, and George will then burn him later in the episode and say that you're just a prop comic. I do think that there is some meta commentary on the idea of a person that, that uses a device or tools or props that are they funny without those and sort of the struggle that they face. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's pretty blatant, right? I do think that's like a battle that I could see Jerry, who's a very... You know, he's a who's a real stand up comedy purist. This would bother him. But I do think the prop comics are pretty much done. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like even what like what would be alt comedy now is mostly like talking about different things. It's not they're not using props. Right. Hmm. Now, yeah. especially since so much so much more comedy is like, you know, podcasts and things like that that are just audio and not even visual. So I don't think like who is the who's the most famous prop comic now from Tarot this generation. Top. Well, there was Carrot Top and there was Gallagher. Who is this generation's prop comic? I can't even think of them. He's on YouTube, probably. I, I don't even think that, like, they're, you know, I mean, like a traditional stand-up comedian, I don't think there's any big stand- uh, 
uh, what's it called? Stand up right now. Who's doing props? Mm-hmm. Yeah, props. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's an opening. You think so? This would be this generation's carrot top. What would your prop be if you like? If you want to become a stand up? Oh, you need a million of props. them. What would like? Yeah, but Gallagher's biggest shtick is watermelon. I'm sure. Carrot Top has like one that he's really known for. What would your thing be? Smash the watermelon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't like things that are super messy. Uh, right. You don't want to make a mess on stage. Yeah. Well, what's like Carrot Top's signature gimmick? I, I think he has like a lot of things in a in like a trunk, and he just brings them out. Right. But he doesn't have one particular thing in the trunk. I'm sure he does. I mean, what he does about, very well. He supposedly lives in like a ridiculous house. In yeah, Vegas. I mean, like, he I, I think he is basically at, if you go to Vegas, I think he's just like uh, he's always at the Luxor. Now, yeah. what about a uh, a person with a marionette or a, uh, a puppet? Is that a prop comic? Right. So I think puppet is a different thing. That's more respected than the regular props, but maybe less respected than someone who's just going out there and telling jokes. Um, there are musical comedians. There's a f- the truth is a few. If you count that as a as a prop, That's I big. think. That like the have the the I was gonna say Simon and Garfunkel. It's um, Garfunkel notes, mm-hmm. right? There they like have made a career. There's a few musical comedians. When sure. I, you know I went to the Comedy Cellar a lot when I lived in New York, and a lot of times there would be like one group that would get up at like one in the morning every time. There would be like one guy who sometimes it would just be a regular comedian trying to do like not his regular act, so he'd just bring a guitar on stage. But sometimes you'd see like uh, one guy would play the piano, another guy would sing, or something like that, and they would. They would try and be funny, but they were usually like second tier comedians. Okay. Well, Keeve, we end up seeing Jerry back at the uh, car after uh, George was not left a window to get his line in by the laser pointer guy. And the Mets have scored six runs in the bottom of the night. Now, Keeve, now I know that you are a uh, mathematician. Did the Mets happen to score a run in the seventh inning? Because the Mets scored two in the eighth, six in the ninth, but they were down nine nothing. Right. Well, do they tie it up here and then lose, or do they just lose nine eight? I think they just lose nine eight, right? No, because the extra innings. I mean, how long is this ninth oh, inning yeah, okay. going so, on? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. So they scored a run in the seventh, but we just it was while we were at commercial, so we didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, Bob Murphy says, "What a comeback for the New York Mets! Six runs in the bottom of the ninth." People, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of our listeners don't know who Bob Murphy is, but this is remember this is nineteen ninety eight. Bob Murphy announced the Mets' first game in nineteen sixty two. Yes, uh, and it's such a delight hearing his voice. And he and he uh, kept announcing till two thousand and three. I think he stopped, and in 04 he passed. But uh, this is this is you know thirty six years into the Bob Murphy as a Mets announcer, still yes. going strong. Yes. Okay. Jerry seems very interested in this mid May afternoon Mets game. I mean, Jerry in the series, while he loves Keith Hernandez, is never depicted as this diehard Mets fan who cannot miss an inning of a game, Keith. I think it's a fair point, especially if you're a stand up comedian, you you're you know, you work at night, so he misses many innings of many I mean, games, right? Even if he This isn't the to. playoffs. I mean, Jerry is talking about this game. I've gotta see right, this Sunday in May. game. Mm-hmm. I think once they start coming back, I, well, part of it is he went to the game. Are you? I, I, we could get to it in the mail. But how about? Are you a leave the game early oh, yeah. person ever? Yeah. You do live in yeah. L.A. Re- even, but no. Now you're bringing kids if you go. Probably like even back in the day, yeah. you would have no problem no leaving problem. that game early. This is a little surprising to me. Why? So the Mets are let down eleven four. Gone. You're out. You're beating the Bye. traffic. 
What about the Jets? If you went to a football game, it's a little bit a bigger of a deal. It's further away from us, right? Is it a playoff a, game? I mean, it's no. No. Okay. no. Well, if it's the Jets, it's yeah. not. I, I mean, there's been one one since we were little kids. Right, no. right. Unless it's a postseason game. No, I'll, I'm, I'll leave any sporting event to beat the traffic. So my dad, who's also very pessimistic as a Mets and a Jets fan, like the Jets will go down 14 nothing in the first quarter. Be like, all right, they're lo- they lost. Let's go. Um, but I would never leave. And when the Jets were down 31-7 on Monday night... Uh, in 2000 to the Dolphins, he really wanted to leave, and my grandfather would not leave, and I've, I, I would have, like, cried and, and, like, just, like, walked home rather than rather than go with them. But I, we said no, and then they came back and won famously mm-hmm. the Monday Jumbo Night Miracle, 41-38 right. in overtime. Yeah. Um, and we got home in 30 minutes because the game ended after 1 o'clock, so it was like, no, <laughs> once you got out of the stadium. Right, everybody fly. else left. So the joke was on him, like, because it's always, like, the dad move of trying to get out for the traffic, but, the, you know. Right. There was, there was no traffic. And... Uh, but after that, I'll never leave a game early. I never left a Jet game, and I've been to over 100 Jet games. I've never left a Jet game uh, until they were in kneel-down mode. Right. Um, just like all those Patriots fans that left Super Bowl parties early. And the actual Super Bowl. Yes. Like, people were at the game. Yes. Uh, people, when, when it went 20... They need when to it, they shame those people. Three. Oh, yeah. No, we should get lists. They should not be allowed to tweet about the... Like, I have Patriots on my feed today saying, like, who would you rather the Patriots play this year in the Super Bowl? Like, the Seahawks or the Falcons or the, or the Packers? Yeah. Like, as if they're there, we just need to know our opponent. Um, if anybody knows the names of those people, send them in. You can oh, yeah. send them in anonymously and, we will, and then we'll shame no. them. Yes, yeah. We'll be like Hop Singh. <laughs> they name names. I, I, I mean, but I know the people who left my, the Super Bowl party I was at last year early. You know, I, this like he's not a he's a Giants fan, but he claims to be friends with Mr. Kraft, with the owner. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I ever saw Mr. Kraft, the first thing I'd say is I'd snitch and say, you know, that you guy who th- names. He, he, he claims to be your friend. First of all, he'd be like, no, I never heard of him. A billionaire. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But then I'd be like, yeah, he left the Super Bowl early. OK, so- I mean, the, the president, not to get political, the president uh, left left the left his whatever wherever he was watching the game early when it was 28 to three and he got a ring. So right, maybe right. it's not so bad. Uh, that I, I feel like that uh, of anything that uh, you could say that uh, I feel like that that is not in the top ten thousand uh, complaints that somebody should make. That uh, I don't think that he ever. I'm not complaining about the president. I'm saying be, that uh, I'm you know I'm, live I'm and die like, with the New England Patriots. No, he's not even. He doesn't claim to be a Patriots fan. I'm not even criticizing him for that. <laughs> I'm saying like they're uh, they're saying we don't care if people left early. The Patriots like we'll give you a ring even if you left early. Yeah. All right. So then going back to Jerry and Kramer, that they're dealing with maroon golf and Kramer suggests that they take the plates off the car, scratch the serial number off the engine block, and then say that the car was stolen. That's the plan here. I mean, do you, uh, is, is Kramer making any sense here? No. I mean, I, maybe there is some, like, maybe it is a scheme that people, pull, or scam that people pulled. So, I don't know. I'm not, like, a car guy. But, uh, and in hindsight, it would have been much better than what ended up happening, right? That's the joke. I don't yeah. know. It's weird. They don't mention it in the last scene, and they should, right? Jerry should at least say, or Kramer should say, like, hey, do you want to do that now? And Jerry should think about it for a second. And that almost, like, sets up next episode a little better. Right. If your car got stolen, though, I mean, why do they have to scratch off the serial number and take the license plates? If your car got stolen, your car got stolen. Yeah, but then if it gets found, they're like, okay, now it's yours. Right. I guess so. But if there's damage to I, it... I, I think it- my my wife's uncle had, her, had his car stolen, and, uh, and then, like, he reported it, and he got insurance, like, right away. 
And then they found it like a few blocks away. Like it had, it had been stolen, but it was like very local. Not so long after, but he'd already been paid by insurance, so like he couldn't get the car back. Yeah. Okay. Did he want it back after that? I mean, he liked the car, but um, but uh, I, I, you know, it was too late. He didn't have the option. Yeah. Q, I was very upset this past week that I had a pair of sunglasses uh, stolen out of my car. Really? Yes. It was very. It was, that is upsetting. It's like someone invaded your privacy. There's nothing you could do about it, right? Your car was locked. I'm sure. You know. You know. I forgot to lock it, and oh. uh, you know. And, and uh, but then I saw that the door was, was it like out of your house, or jo- were you parked? Yeah, somewhere? I was parked at my house, and somebody. Oh, that's upsetting. It was upset. It was upsetting, and I think it was my neighbor. You know what? The thing about about things like that, I always think like if I don't lock the front door of my house. The only person who's going to notice, as long as the door's closed, is someone who's already trying to break in, right? Right. Like, who's a lunatic who's just, like, going around trying to squeeze every door handle and see which one's open and which one doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. So it's upsetting with the car, too, because it's like... I mean, I guess with a car, it's different. You could see from the outside sometimes if it's locked. Yeah. No, no, it, no that's upsetting. I, I feel like because I've seen him out my window, like, I feel like at, at different points, like, I've seen him, like, trying to look in my car. Uh, and what, I feel, do, what do you think he's looking for? I don't know. what he has, Sunglasses, I guess. I mean, that's weird. Yeah. You should put a camera outside. I thought that would believe me, but that uh, my wife is already trying to work on the caper. I said, well, what are we going to do if we, if we catch him? It's a little weird. Like, after my, my in-laws were robbed, like, they have, like, dozens of cameras in their house now. And I, I feel like, even though the cameras aren't inside, I feel like I'm always being surveilled from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's going to end up like I'm going to be incriminated for something. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. My wife would be like, were you, you home working? I'm like, yeah. And then she'll, like, see, you know, footage of me. Going uh, to like the, the supermarket and the live food. feeds. Okay, yeah, yeah, the live the live feeds. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So uh, Kramer says, "Okay, look, you're gonna have to work this out with Maroon Golf." Uh, George, back at the movie theater, we get to the point where the Hindenburg is going to blow up. He yells out his "That's got a hurt" line, and it does not land this time, Keeve. No, I mean, I feel like he's got to try this line ten times. I, I, you know, he'll probably go like five yes, five no, but to ch- to repeat it two or three times afterwards is so desperate by George. Right. And nobody is laughing. Laser pointer guy is uh, really killing it. The women that George is talking to say that, oh, he's so funny. I never meet anybody who's funny. I don't even care about looks. All I care about is a sense of humor. I feel like that George meets a lot of women who say things like this. Well, the only women who are going to really meet George are people who don't care about looks, right? Well, I think a lot of people would meet him. I mean, like to actually have conversations with him. Yes, but I mean, these are two women that he's just overhearing their conversation. Right, they and, don't know. They're not saying it to him, correct? Right, and George yells out, Damn you, laser guy, you had to grab it all with your lowbrow laser shtick. You're just a prop comic. Where's the crap? Yeah, and again, this is like a meta-commentary on 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 the the, the the prop comics. You know, by the way, I was thinking about the prop comics, and like, because I said like that podcasts have taken them away, but how about this? Gallagher once walked out on WTF in the middle of the podcast. Why? Right. So I guess like maybe the prop comics just can't, they're they're like, they can't handle this new podcast. Why? What was Mark Maron saying to him? He was just asking him questions and, and like Gallagher was getting, it was years ago. So I don't, I like, I listened to it, but I don't remember what the like incriminating thing was. It was nothing too bad, but Maron asked like tough questions sometimes and he got mad and he, and he left the room. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then the other one we mentioned, Carrot Top was on one of my favorite shows, Hollywood Handbook. And like, they said afterwards on another podcast five minutes in he gave them the wrap it up signal yeah (laughs) and it's an hour show and and he used like an offensive slur like as a joke also so it's universally considered the worst episode so prop comics yeah 
Yeah, uh, no, uh, well, Carrot Top's episode is universally considered the yeah the, the worst episode on of Hello Entertainment. I'm going to so do it Prop Comics. It's uh, if it's still up, yeah. Prop Comics. Um, they uh, they don't make for a great podcaster, so maybe we should reconsider our goal of becoming like the next great because po- it'll hurt our podcasting game. Yeah, if we become great prop comics. I, I mean, that's our goal. We're gonna go out and do prop comics. Well, you said that's like road? a good that's a good niche. Like nobody's and there. Somebody we, should do it, but I don't want to. Oh, be but the not prop us. Comic. Okay, I got it. Someone who's not yeah. in the podcast game like us. I got it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we so can. Anyone like listening is free to become them. the next big prop. Co- that should that be like a show on like a really deep cable channel, like America's Next Best Prop Comic? Uh, how about this? If there is an aspiring prop comic out there, they can come to our live finale party and we will give them 10 minutes. Oh, they could open for us. They can open good. for us. That's not bad. But the problem is they're going to tank. Like an aspiring prop comic. I can't think of anyone who's going to yeah, tank Yeah, it'll be like it. when Jerry uh, tried to tank before Banya went on. Yeah, yeah. And they, right, he, they're going to sabotage us. We're going to get up there. Like, how about the Frogger? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with the Frogger? (laughs) (laughs) So then we go back to Kramer uh, that he uh, is working a deal out with Maroon Golf. Uh, He negotiates a peace treaty. So Jerry has to do an I'm sorry way. Maroon Golf will move out of the way. And so it works. Jerry does the wave, the apology wave. He tries to drive into the alley and then Jerry stops to uh, monologue for a moment uh, after George uh, pops into the car and says that he was not sorry and that Maroon Golf is a jackass. And then here comes Elaine with Dayton Callie uh, coming out of that alley. Now, earlier in the episode, this alley was described as a one-way going towards where they were, right? Right, yeah. So I don't know why they're so down on Elaine for going through. Like, Had Elaine gone through the alley and it was one way and they drove the wrong way, I can understand them being upset with her. But I don't understand why. But they're the ones you're saying who are going to drive the wrong way, ultimately. Right. And possibly get a ticket for it. She may have saved them a ticket. She could have. Right. And, and they blame Elaine, but there's six cars right behind Elaine also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, it's insane for him to, like, you know, jeer at Maroon Golf until he's, like, 80% of the way gone. Right. Like, Maroon Golf could still, like, you know, crash into him, sort of block him. Like, you got to get, you got to, like, break. It's, it's you know, the it's a running back who's sort of, like, high-stepping before he's even got past the first line of defense. The Leon like, You high-step when you get to the five-yard line. Right. So, meanwhile, Elaine sits in the cab with uh, Dayton Callie. And again, she's upset and uh, he says, oh, you know, you knew what to do. You're so smart. You went to college. Elaine says, hey, look, I went to Tufts. That was my safety school. So don't talk to me about hardship. Now, again, I think that this does speak to the theme of the Elaine storyline where that Elaine just seems to have uh, this uh, sort of, you know, she's not living in the same world as Mr. Cab Driver. Yeah, she's a one percenter. Yes. Her problems are about missing 60 minutes and going to safety schools while Dayton Callie is out here, you know, in the tough streets. Yeah, slinging it 12 hours a day to make a buck. Right. Not like Elaine, who uh, wastes all this money and time at Peterman. Anyway, back on the street, Elaine has now reunited with Jerry. And so 
uh, the, the, with Maroon Golf, uh, Elaine starts to explain the backstory of her and Jerry's dating situation, and Jerry knows that this is a bad idea. Yeah, but Maroon, I, I do like this, where he's like, oh, so he was a jackass to you. That's why he broke up with him. And she sort mm-hmm. of like nods. Yeah. Nods, yes. Okay. Uh, George is also being harassed by the laser pointer guy. Uh, the laser pointer guy, even from earlier, has now followed him. We never see the laser pointer guy again in the episode, but he's just like uh, in some like uh, bookstore depository, just uh, constantly harassing George the rest of the show. There's no deleted scene, but really, I think like we should have a better ending to this uh, subplot for sure. Yeah, it'd be good to know exactly uh, where he was stationed the whole time. Even at the end of the episode, he's still putting the laser pointer on George's butt. And so Kramer is the one who ultimately gives George the warning. Don't let the laser pointer touch your eye, because if that thing touches your pupil, it's going to go up like the Death Star. That's a Star Wars joke, Akiva. Oh, I did not catch that. Yes. Uh, Kramer needs to find the bathroom also. I was very concerned this week that the Star Wars 9 director got, got dropped out. Yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> now I Are think you I'm volunteering? Are you volunteering? No, but I do, do think, I do think like they keep firing these directors. And again, I've never seen a second of these movies. Why don't they fire the person who keeps hiring the directors that they need to fire? Mm, it's I like think- if a GM hired like six bad coaches in a row, I feel like, aren't they out at a certain point? The problem is, I think that... People like want to come into Star Wars. And again, I, I don't follow this uh, super closely, but I think people want to come into Star Wars and they want to find somebody who is like, ooh, this is a good name. This is a person that did something edgy. And then they come in and then they want to like put their own like original stamp on Star Wars. Right. And then, and, I then feel like, and, the, and the 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 executive producer are like, no, no, no. Like, this is exactly how we do it here. This is like a very like time honored thing. And then they get fired. Right, right. That it's like uh, basically like Sandy Alderson, uh, you know, uh, can't work with Wally Backman because he's going to be too much of a loose cannon in terms of executing his brilliant vision. Right. They think they want someone original, but ultimately they just need a yes man. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They need a middle manager to work with corporate on getting that next uh, Star Wars merchandise uh, vehicle out. All right. This has been uh, Kiva Talk Star Wars, the first and only segment (laughs) in the history of the podcast. We did it by the end. Okay. Anyway, so I like that there's a soda guy and uh, Jerry's going to go get a soda and uh, Maroon Golf uh, wants to die at Dr. Pepper. And Jerry's like, all right, fine. He'll, he'll, he'll get a soda, even though he's, uh, you know, locked in disagreement with this guy. He doesn't tell yeah, him. At the end of the day, they're not really enemies. Yes. Okay. Elaine is now trying to cross the street. She has this idea of that. Hey, if we can walk underneath the bleachers, we can get all these people to safety. Keith, are they lampooning anything here in this episode or is this just sort of like a, a fun idea? You know, someone to me, it's like, oh, they're pretty clearly lampooning something, but I don't know enough old movies to know which one they are. Uh, Craig from Vancouver says that, uh, uh, the Wikipedia says that they're um, referencing the Poseidon Adventure. Okay, so I are guess you familiar that, with the Poseidon Adventure? It's uh that is another disaster movie, I uh, believe. I know that, it from uh, I'm on a boat, like <laughs> Poseidon, look at me. That's where I know it from. <laughs> right, Poseidon Adventure. It's like, uh, is it a cruise ship or is it a submarine that that ends? I think up it's a, I, It sounds like a submarine to me, Poseidon. Okay, 
Wasn't like some sort of god of death or god of something? I mean, yeah, the the actual uh, in uh, Roman mythology, I believe. God of the sea. God of the sea, I think. Yes, Poseidon Adventure. Uh, En route from New York City to Greece on New Year's Eve, majestic passenger ship, the SS Poseidon, is overtaken by a tidal wave with the captain, Leslie Nielsen, dead. Surviving passengers, including the passionate Reverend Scott, which is Gene Hackman, band together in the ship's ballroom. The group's struggles start to avert fires, flooding, structural instability, and mechanical malfunction as they make their way through a maze of ladders and tunnels in their desperate attempt to escape a watery grave. So actually, this does tie in then with the Hindenburg movie that George goes Ah. to go see. Oh, see, we're the first people to ever put that together, I think. uh, Perhaps. Perhaps. The sun was God of the Sea, Earthquakes, Storms, and Horses. Yes. Uh, I, why like horses get thrown in there? They should kind of have their own. That's kind of an unfair break. You think Rusty's God was Poseidon? That's not. That's like pretty wild. And Leslie Nielsen was the captain of the ship, but it wasn't a parody film. It wasn't like a joke movie. Real, I, I can't see him doing like a serious we're sinking <laughs> movie. Okay, I guess that's what he was up to. And so Elaine is going to start to uh, work on taking these people through um, under the bleachers. Who's with us? Now, interestingly, Keith, we watched so many of the inside looks that Mm -hmm. I believe, and and tell me if I'm off on this, but one of the guys, the guy that ultimately Elaine makes out with in this episode, is he the casting director for the show? Yes. Yes. He's the casting. You recognize him from the inside looks? Yes. Yes, he is the casting director from the show. By the way, it's because I think they said, like, why don't you do it as like an achievement? Like as a, you know, a present, like that sort of thing, an award for doing the show. But that would be funny if you're like, ooh, we need someone to make out with Elaine. All right, second last episode, F it, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that guy has a very distinct, uh, like, 80s Baba Booey, John Oates look to him. And yeah, he's not, it, good, he's not good looking enough to be the guy who makes out with Elaine in a normal episode. Right. I just remember that guy, like, because he has, like, a very unique look from the inside looks. And then I said, oh, that's that guy. What? <laughs> That's interesting. And that he cast himself. I wonder if somebody dropped out and he was just like at the last minute had to like maybe he took his eye off the ball with casting everybody for the finale. Yeah. I don't, maybe they just they like th- because I think the make out was was not scripted. I think in the inside look, the director tells him to do it. Oh, OK. Uh, the, that no, I, no, not that they not that they were like making out and they got busted. Like that they, I think the director well, that, or that he improv it. Like, hey, I, yeah, it be, no. like I know I'm not an actor, but wouldn't it be uh, a great improv if I made out with you? Yeah, um, no, he, uh, the director told him to do it, but um, yeah, I guess he got right place, right time for Mark Hirschfeld. <laughs> there you go. All right, so we see Kramer. He needs to use the bathroom. There is an apartment for rent uh, or for sale, and so we see Kramer go into uh, this woman's apartment. He has the, uh, goes into the HP Pennypacker routine Keeve, uh, did you like the return of H.P. Pennypacker? Yeah, he makes me smile. I like the wealthy industrialist, like as if someone would say I'm a wealthy industrialist as opposed to an ordinary industrialist and, ph- and philanthropist. Yes. Um, all right, well, you're asking me, though, like after 176 episodes, I can tell your tone. I don't think you like it. I don't know. It's just weird. This was the only place that he could have used the bathroom. Like, like the fact that the whole gang ends up here and there's no like it just, it just seems like coincidentally all three of them end up with the same idea of going into this person's apartment. Maybe Jerry it is hard and to find a bathroom talk- during these parades, though. The stores are all closed. Sure. It's really but, hard to find the bathroom. But all three the of them. Streets. 
Right. I mean, they might have seen each other go in, right? One of them is babysitting the car at all times till the end. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yes, uh, I do like that Kramer asks now, I assume that there's a waterfall grotto. And she's like, no. <laughs> uh, and then he asks for a bathroom. And then he uh, asks for the absolute nearest yeah, one. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And he's like <laughs> holding it in. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Okay. Uh, I do like also Elaine under the bleachers uh, leading these people. And there is a pregnant woman. And Elaine asks uh, about, you know, we'll get you home to your husband. And the pregnant woman who is not married, Elaine says, I really respect that. And then immediately starts telling the older couple about how there's uh, no father. Yeah, no, I like the going back and forth and the gossiping. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, there is a priest who is slowing down. He says, go on without me. And then Elaine goes back and is telling people, all right, we can move faster without Father Ogimpy. And he also heard that. He's two feet behind them. Yeah. (laughs) Right. All right. Back by the car. Uh, Maroon Golf uh, insulting Jerry's manhood says he's never seen a man drive a Saab convertible. Uh, is there anything that uh, that Jerry should be potentially? Is he driving a woman's car? I mean, I, I did, are Saab convertibles women's cars? I had no idea. I mean, who knew? Who knew? Um, I mean, I'd drive it if you gave it to me, but you know, it's a different era. Yeah. Although, Keeve, uh, that. In when I was in college, that I did not have a car, and there was a uh, a woman, a young woman that I had been speaking with for uh, a bit, and I said to her uh, something, something about how uh, could I have your car, and she was very quick to say, "That's a girl's car." I, I felt I was very humiliated. Wait, so you wanted to borrow it like once, not to like no, keep not it even forever. to borrow. I think we were just like joking around about like uh, like oh well, then then I can have your car or something like that. And mm-hmm. she's like, "Why would you want? It? It's a girl's car." Yeah, I know who she voted for. <laughs> um, I th- I think like I think the uh, yeah, and, and like that that relationship did not last. No. Like that's not Nicole. No, right? no, no, no. <laughs> okay. She might say something similar, but I was uh, very. Uh, but I, I, but the truth is, when people say something like she probably just wanted to like end the conversation with you, or not like to give you her car for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and that was just her excuse. Yeah. All right. Um, so George comes back. He has some uh, reflective glasses, which he feels like will defend him against the laser pointer. But uh, Jerry points out, well, what if the laser pointer gets in the side? Uh, will it just bounce back and forth off the mirrored glasses? I wouldn't think so. No, I don't think you have to worry about the side, the side uh, sort of. Although it is a weird thing because I wear glasses and sometimes I wear like small glasses and you do have like that blind spot. So I bet I get they, they could th- get come in not, not literally from the side, but maybe like under from underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kramer comes back from the bathroom and uh, that he is draped with a Puerto Rican flag around him and he loves the Puerto Rican Day Parade. I mean, Kramer is very pro Puerto Rican Day Parade. Uh, He says the sights, the sounds, the hot, spicy flavor of it all. It's caliente, Jerry. Uh, Yeah, you know, he's trying to be as respectful as possible of this parade. Yes. Uh, Jerry, again, very excited that the uh, Mets have men on base. He does ask where you're watching the game and then uh, that Jerry ends up at the woman's apartment. And so uh, Jerry is now watching the baseball game uh, from this lady's house. Uh, His name is Kel Varnson. Has Kel Varnson been established yet? Is this the only Varnson in, in the whole series? 
Yeah. Um, I don't like Kel Varnson. I th- it's from the it's from the uh, what you call it's from the the pilot. This is the only other time we've seen him. I think. Okay, that's the only other time. Uh, Kel Varnson, uh, according to Urban Dictionary, an alias that Jerry comes up with so he can gain access to an apartment during the Puerto Rican Day Parade. So go watch. Oh yeah, no, no, it's only from this. I don't know why I said that. It's only from this episode. I There's mean, no that would have been something. That would have been amazing if. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Um, Right, because also they walk into the into the um, thing and they clearly into the apartment. They clearly don't know his name. Like he knows, he's familiar with Vandalay and Pennypacker, which have been debuted before. But right, this is sort of Jerry's alter ego. Okay, um, I'm trying to see that. Uh, I believe that Kel Varnson might have been mentioned in uh, the boyfriend uh, that uh, when Jerry answered the phone as uh, Vandalay Industries. I do, what do you think about like I like I really like the name Penny Packer. Art Vandalay, of course, is legendary. What's your you're right. He does say Kelvarnson speaking in that episode. You're right. But we don't yes. he's never you're right. We don't we never like see him in uh, power rankings, uh, you know, Art Vandalay, uh huge drop off, Penny Packer, yeah. huge drop off, uh Kelvarnson. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So I do like when Jerry's asking the woman, uh, so what do you call this room? Like uh, with the TV, uh, the TV room. Oh, okay, good. Uh, This is and he's asking if she has any snacks as well. Yeah, she's really willing to sell this place because she's will. You know, he's later. He's got his feet up eating snacks, watching the Met game. And she is uh, quite fine with it. Well, Jerry does tell her to prepare for an all out bidding war uh, against Penny Pack. Yeah, I love when he like, oh, Penny Packer was here. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so back at the car, uh, the laser pointer guy, uh, George thinks he spots him, and he's going to sneak up with him around the corner. Uh, We will see momentarily that uh, it is not them. It is not the laser pointer guy. He does look like him. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, Elaine is underneath the bleachers, and she leads her group to what ultimately ends up being a dead end, a brick wall, Keith. Yeah, I mean, the, like to me, you you are invested in the story. You want Elaine to get out. Um, I love the idea that they couldn't have just like because at these parades, if you ask across the street, they'll let you cross. Yeah, you might have to wait till like the marching band goes by, but then they'll just let you run across quickly. Right. I don't know necessarily. Also, you know how they were going to get across the street. I don't know at what point like the bleachers would go across the parade route. It feels like a uh, faulty plan. But right. Ultimately, they're just going to get out in like at best in a similar place to where they got in. Right. Uh, And this is when our casting director ends up making out with Elaine uh, after we're all going to die. And so they get a hold of themselves and uh, grab each other. The old lady uh, and the pregnant woman all uh, shut it down. There's some real pushing between Elaine and the casting director. (laughs) Kiss. Yeah. I, I almost feel like you wouldn't have that much like and like he gives Elaine a real push. Yeah, uh, you would think it'd be more of a pack. So uh, they end up popping their head up and there's a police officer there. Uh, they're trying to get out. Elaine says there's a pregnant woman down here, an unmarried pregnant woman. And she says, uh, don't judge me. And they want to know if they can cross the street. They cannot. Uh, yeah, the police officer here should be he should like go to jail after this. Why? Because there's a pregnant woman and old people down there? Yeah, he just totally ignores them. Like, it's one thing to say, like, I won't let you cross, but you can come out and sit on the bleachers. Like, he just closes the bleachers yeah. on them, and then they're stuck on... It's insane. Yeah, he doesn't say, hey, For all he knows, there. they're still there. Yeah. So, George spots a guy with a pen. He sneaks up behind him, and he uh, breaks the guy's pen. Th- this guy looks familiar. 
Well, do you think it's because he looks like the laser pointer guy? I don't know. He looks like a just uh, like a guy that uh, Seinfeld has used before, but I can't place the face. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a name for him. He's just the delivery man. Yeah. And so the laser pointer guy strikes again. George has ink all over his hands. Delivery guy thinks it's funny. It's a lot of ink. But one of my least favorite parts about school, I, I was a pen biter. I don't know if you ever bit a pen when you were a kid. Mm, I don't think so. And then like once in a while, it would just explode. But you don't know yeah, it till like the ink yeah, gets yeah. in your mouth and it's gross. And like you're wearing a light shirt. The shirt's ruined. It, it might be like 930. And then you're just in school with like a inky shirt all day and inky hands. <laughs> it's a terrible story. Wash. Not yeah, yeah. It's, it's not fun. Not fun. Drop right. out of school rather than do that again. Kramer is now lighting up a cigar. I mean, that some questionable behavior all around for the K-Man as he has a cigar. He lights it with a sparkler, throws said sparkler into the back seat of Jerry's car, which then ultimately catches on fire uh, the, the Puerto Rican day or the Puerto Rican flag. Yeah, I, I feel like this could have been avoided. I mean, ideally, one thing you could do in the future is not throw a sparkler into the backseat of a car. Right. Yeah. No, not a good move. Yes. OK. Uh, and Maroon Golf, he's watching this whole thing go down that he really is laughing away. He can yeah, I mean, like uh, they just gave like him a finger. soda. This isn't really like a like a blood feud, but he's he's rooting for the car to get burned. Yeah, uh, that he sees exactly what's going on. And guess who spots this immediately? Here come Bob and Cedric, who, as longtime podcast listeners know, I'm not the biggest Bob and Cedric fans. No. Uh, Yeah. I mean, of course, famously from the Soup Nazi. Um, Bob is Yul Yul Vasquez is his real name. He has an amazing IMDb. He's just like in 10 things every year. Yes. Okay. Well, they come over as Kramer is trying to stomp out the fire on the flag. They see uh, who's burning the flag. Uh, That wasn't very nice. Do you know what day it is? It's the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Maybe we should stomp you like you stomp the flag. Yeah. Also, uh, Bob is uh, Ruben the Cuban on Sopranos, so he he can play any sort of (laughs) Latin American actor. Okay, uh, we will not talk to him for our deep dive into HBO series canceled after one season. Well, he was in. He was probably in John from Cincinnati. If I <laughs> probably <laughs> all right, maybe Arliss. So George now comes in to this apartment, and uh, he wants to know if he could see the bathrooms. Then he wants to see one with paint thinner and some rags. He needs to clean his hands from the pen. And now we see that everybody is here. Art Vanderlei, uh, Mr. Pennypacker, Kel Varnson, they're all there. Uh, Kel Varnson wants to know who's watching the Saab factory. Yeah, no, I do like how they, you know, they mention it without sort of letting the lady know that uh, they're all together. Yes, and we end up seeing an angry mob attacking the car. Not the first time in Seinfeld history we've seen an angry mob attacking a parked vehicle. And uh, this is when Kramer says, uh, you know, it's like this every day in Puerto Rico. Yeah, by the way, just the, the mob attacking the car is probably a worse look for Seinfeld to be making up than even like that one-off comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, George says, Jerry, the Mets lost. Uh, and Jerry uh, adds in finally, I love a parade. Uh, we have a tag to this episode also where they are seeing the car. It is now uh, stashed into a stairwell and um, they say uh, that they're going to end up uh, going home. Uh, Kramer reminds Jerry, you can't deduct the car now. 
uh, we see Elaine show up with like popcorn in her hair, uh, looking terrible, and uh, she did not get to unwind. No, missed sixty minutes. Um, missed sixty minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know what this is? Now that I'm like looking at it, and again, they end with the like remember where we park joke, and and essentially the parking garage. It the, it seems like the episode before the finale, they're trying to recreate like a new instant classic, a new parking garage. That's right. what they thought I mean, this that, that, would be. That's what they thought they were going yeah. for. Right. Um, and then we see Maroon Golf uh, drive away and uh, calls Jerry a uh, jackass. Right. You think, oh, he didn't call him a jackass. That's weird. And then you hear jackass and then the episode ends. Right. Uh, and then uh, at least we remembered uh, where we parked. And that is the end of the episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is it until the finale. Yeah, I mean, we might talk about next week's episode. Who knows? Yeah. All right, Keeve, uh, let's talk this through uh, with the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Again, I feel like that there are some big laugh moments uh, in this episode. I I do feel like that uh, it does not have sort of like the parking garage and uh, the Chinese restaurant. I think that what those things had were that they were not like larger than life events that happened. Yeah, they're, they're juggling 15 balls in this episode. Right. Those episodes were sort of that they were bottle episodes, but they mm-hmm. sort of like lived in the world of reality where yeah. this was like this bottle episode. I guess uh, the subway is another one like that. But, uh, you it know, tries the season nine, the bottle episode. That's what you're saying. Right. But they sort of like uh, combined the, you know, bottle episode. They got that. But then, uh, you know, with the otherworldliness of season nine, there was mm-hmm. too much. Yeah, and a little bit like, ooh, these are modern things, like the uh, like the laser pointer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Keeve. Uh, what about uh, Jerry here in this episode that he is into it with Maroon Golf and wants to watch the Met game? Yeah, I mean, listen, I love a Met game. I could certainly identify with the story, uh, being stuck in traffic and leaving a Met game early or trying to get home to see it. Um, and also, uh, the Maroon Golf stuff is fine, but to me, there's no great laughs had from Jerry. I give it a C+. Not even for Bob Murphy. Do you give it an A? Yeah, oh, yeah. you know what? A B minus for Bob Murphy. <laughs> B minus. Bob Murphy was a B minus announcer. No, just kidding. Because Bob Murphy's name is. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Uh, I was I annoyed. Would... But like the problem with Bob Murphy was by the time like you know I was older and listening, like he didn't have his A game anymore. And their second announcer, of course, was Gary Cohn, who was so much better. But he only got to do like he didn't get to do the key innings, right? He didn't get to do the eighth innings. Mm-hmm. So I was oh, even as a little kid, it bothered me so much. Like, how come the, you know, the it's out of here guy doesn't get to do the important innings? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't I didn't know enough at the time. Bob Murphy feel like it was bad. Bob Murphy wasn't good. He wasn't bad. He just like he was he was very he was probably too old to still be doing the games by the late 90s. Past his prime. Yeah. I mean, doing it for 36 years. And that, that was just a mess. Like he called the Maris Homer and the, the Roger Maris Homer in 61. Like he'd been doing this forever. So I think by the end of his career, him and Kiner had kind of lost their A game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been Robin Akiva talk about baseball, and only three other people know what they're talking about. <laughs> so half the audience is yeah, basically that's true. Okay, Keeve, uh, all right, I'll, I'll go with the B minus there for Jerry as well. What about George with the laser pointer? Yeah, it's funny. I think the idea of like the joke that he gets to tell is good, but you know, not much happens outside of that with George and the thing. Even it's not the most memorable of the Vanderlays. Vanderlays. So I give it a B minus also. 
I mean, I, I do feel like that the laser pointer stuff was pretty memorable along the way. You know, the, that's got to hurt. I, I do feel like that that was memorable. I'll, I'll give it a B. I'm not as hard on it. Uh, what about Elaine? She wants to unwind and then leads a bunch of people into a brick wall. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I, I like I, I don't think the scenes under the bleachers are bad at all. Uh, you know, her story, like once to watch 60 Minutes, kind of dumb. I guess the Tufts thing is funny. I remember laughing the first time I watched this. Um, we've been asking mm-hmm. this recently. Do you remember like watching this episode live? Anything about your experience watching this episode live? Yeah, I, I remember being a lot of hype. Yeah. Uh, I really, I really do have like, oh, there's only one episode after this is the yeah. last time. People it's a regular thought, episode. And there was a lot of secrecy around it. And there's no internet. So it was very hard to leak. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, you, it would have been... Uh, People probably thought that it would like lead up to something in the finale, and of course it doesn't. My friend in school, I remember telling me that his brother or his cousin like wrote a spec script for Seinfeld, and it got taken. It was going to be the second to last episode, and I sort of knew that it was a lie. But he was like, he kept going so long, and like to people who didn't even like Seinfeld. And the premise of this fake script was that like I think George can't stop farting. That was that was my friend. Mm-hmm. Like, so I remember thinking like there were, in my mind, there was like a one percent chance because he never said, oh, I'm lying. So there's a one percent chance that this episode was going to be like uh, George can't stop farting. And then I would be like, oh, that's amazing. Like my friend's brother wrote the second last Seinfeld episode. I was probably like a year or two too yeah. old to buy that story. But whatever. OK, well, they got you. <laughs> yeah, you got got. Uh, so what I mean, is not the worst? Like, I feel like season 10 would have had a George can't stop farting storyline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is so what is the Elaine letter grade? Uh, that's a B. A B. Uh, yeah, I'll feel yeah. like it's a. Uh, uh, I'll go with a B minus. I do like the stuff under the bleachers, but I mean, mm-hmm. just the fact that uh, she wants to un- unwind and watch uh, sixty minutes. Uh, uh, you know, I I, 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 yeah, I don't know how much of a story there is. I don't like that she ditched the group either. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Kramer. With he doesn't really have a story, Kramer. Right. Yeah, he's just sort of helping out with other stories. Yeah, so do you want to give him an N.A.? Yeah, I think, I mean, I know, you know, the Penny Packer stuff is fine. You give him an N.A., but I, I, I do like him. I, you know, the line where, like, where's the nearest of those four bathrooms? That's a good joke. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, very foolishly ends up uh, burning the Puerto Rican Day uh, flag yeah. or the Puerto Rican flag. Uh, not, not ideal, Kramer. Right. We'll give him an N.I. for not ideal. Not ideal. All right. Keeve. Mm. Where does this episode land in your rankings? Uh, is it inside the top 100? I will say yes. I feel like that uh, probably lo- uh, the high double digits. I'll say that you have this at uh, 91. No, you know, I didn't hit this episode that hard. But, uh, you know, to me, it's not. It's just not funny enough. I, uh, they had too many balls in the air. The, the laser pointer thing doesn't get solved. Uh, you know, the apartment thing doesn't really have a good ending. Like, you know, maybe they accidentally had to buy it or Jerry, you know, ends up losing a million dollars. I don't know. Like, they're, oh, like no, none of the storylines really get solved. Uh, and what are the classic jokes from this? Plus, like, it was almost like needlessly, like, it doesn't bother me that what they did necessarily, but it bothers me that they sort of like got into this hole where now this episode can't be re-aired. So to me, I have it all the way down at 145. I think that with uh, again, I I I wasn't again. Um, 
you know, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I, I, I thought that, you know, most of the offensive stuff, uh, I, I thought ended up being pretty benign. Here it is benign, but I, but also like they should have known not to burn the flag. And I'm not mad that they burned the flag. I'm mad that, right. they, that they didn't know not to burn the flag. And therefore, like this episode is like a is sort of like the forgotten episode. Like, by the way, people. So people ask because we're going to do the live finale of of the Frogger. And so you're gonna, said, you're, I'm not going to let you burn any flags, Keith. No, we're not going to burn any flags. Maybe like a Yankee flag we could burn. Um, <laughs> that would be like a good way to go. Out. The, no, but like we're not going to do the finale because there's too much to discuss for a live show. Then people said, just do is, the second is it last true, one. Keith, that you were going to burn a Star Wars flag at the live show? Listen, I've never seen Star- like I've seen the Yankees and I know I hate them. Like I've never seen Star Wars. Maybe it's my favorite thing and I've just never seen it yet. Who knows? Will you be burning a Big Bang Theory flag at the finale? I mean, or at my, least a young Sheldon flag. My oh, young Sheldon. You know what my fear is? I my wife is like not a internet person really. Like she's not on social media really. She she'll like ask me like what's a terrible what what do you think is the worst show? And really what she does is like what's the worst show on TV? And then I'll say like uh like two broke girls or something. She'll be like okay, and then she'll binge like all nine seasons of it. Like what, what, because we have the opposite taste, so it's like whatever. She happens not to watch Two Broke Girls, but like she watches Grey's Anatomy and and Big Bang Theory, and she used to really like Two and a Half Men. Those are popular shows. Yeah, like but basically like what? Yeah, she would sounds say like popular. she's in touch with the mainstream. She is, and you are too much of an elitist. She is, and like remember, Lost and Grey's Anatomy came on the same year, and I loved Lost and wouldn't watch Grey's, wouldn't stay in the room and watch Grey's Anatomy with her, and she's like now thinks that she was vindicated because Grey's Anatomy is literally still on and lost us, you know, so many years. Well, in, it didn't in, get canceled. I know, but she doesn't understand that. She just thinks like <laughs> Grey's Anatomy's still on, so it's good, and Lost is not on, so it's bad. She probably thinks like The Wire stinks because there's only five seasons. I don't know, but right. Um, so I, my fear is she's going to find out about Young Sheldon and watch it, but there's a chance she'll never find out about it. So I'm just not going to tell her, and nobody tell her that Young Sheldon's on. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. All right, Keeve, uh, let's dive into the mailbag. Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps uh, for those uh, next two episodes that are coming up if you want to get your emails in. And uh, let's just, uh, you know, uh, quickly get through. The, uh, Johnny DeSavera said, uh, was the Mets story arc based on an actual game from the year the episode original aired in? Uh, I don't believe no, so. No, but they probably had someone clip Bob Murphy audio. To like make it, you know, to work. But Bob Murphy never says the Mets are down nine nothing. Now they came back. Like they're just clipping like you know basic things that Murphy's saying. He, he, I'm not even not even yes. sure if he says the score. I think Jerry usually says the score. There, by the way, there is a famous sports movie where a team blows a nine nothing lead. Can you name that movie? A team blows a nine nothing lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I cannot. I'm not like uh, Freddie Physical with the sports movie trivia. Yeah. It's uh, Mighty Ducks. In one of the Mighty Ducks movies, they're up nine nothing, and then the final score is nine nine. Yeah, Keeve. Uh, Craig from Vancouver also adds uh, a pet peeve of his when people pull a Dodger dash when they arrive late or early. Uh, Craig from Vancouver also hates that. He says, you paid for the ticket. You have to stay to the end. Damn it. Yeah, you sound like Howard Wienicker, my grandfather. I, 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 I agree. I have no problem leaving a Met game early. Like the Mets are down 6-2. You know they don't have it tonight. Uh, you know, it's fine. To leave early. But uh, to me, a football game, it's such a like it's all it's all day. You spend more at, more time at the tailgate if you tailgate than you do at the actual game. So it'd be insane to like just stay at the game for two hours when you're at the tailgate for four hours. Just stay and watch your team lose. OK, uh, what about Jeff P? He wants to know why wouldn't Elaine think that the best way to get out of the traffic was something other than a taxi? Wouldn't it have made more sense to walk to the nearest subway stop? Just get out that way. While I'm no Manhattan expert, 
I've been there enough to know that you barely have to walk more than a couple blocks to find the nearest subway. It doesn't make sense. In, I mean, I would say like, oh, maybe a lane is too like bougie for the subway. But obviously, we've seen it on the subway six different times. Like, that's not the case. Right. But not recently. You think now she's at Peterman? She's like, oh, I can't. If Peterman sees me take the subway. And I mean, like, Elaine was like down and out in season five. I mean, she was like broke and had no job. I mean, there was. The point, yeah. yeah, I think I that think she, I think there are like I've met people who've never been on the subway like they were born rich. They're still rich. They never been on the subway. Yeah, it's there's definitely a New York type of person who does that, especially now. You don't even have to be like a billionaire because you could take like Uber pool probably and get there for like not that much more money. Right. Um, I think young Elaine came to the city. She, you know, bought like cheap clothes like she wore like things that she bought in the village and stuff like that. And Mm. she was kind of a hippie uh, to some degree. And then she was down and out. She ends up uh, working for Peterman and for the catalog. And then she ends up taking on this really bougie persona. And she's much different from like uh, season six on. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I think what you're saying is true. So maybe she becomes a no subway person. Yes, I think she becomes no subway. Harold Rice wants to know, uh, should Newman have been Maroon Golf's place in this episode? No, I don't think so, because I think then with Newman, there's a lot of other negotiation yeah. points that open up. Of sure. like, Oh, Newman will let you talk to Elaine or we'll give right. you a, a cookie or, you know, the, there's a lot of things that you could talk about with Newman. It's also weirdly non-hostile, and if it's with Newman, it's hostile. What does Jim, the physics correspondent, want to say? 137. The episode ranking last week, besides being a prime number, is also a notable number in physics. The fine structure constant... This is like a Big Bang Theory episode, Kiva. Uh, The fine fine structure constant, uh, which relates to the strength of the electromagnetic fields, is equal to almost exactly 1 137th. That fact makes 137 a favorite of numerology. To bring this back to the topic at hand, apparently Jerry Seinfeld is a bit of a numerologist, though his special number is nine. And this is uh, uh, links to an article, Five Things You Didn't Know About Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, I guess maybe that's why I wanted it on season nine. Too bad, uh, you know, Seinfeld, his favorite number wasn't 11 or else we'd have 48 more episodes. Yes. uh, We'd have a lot more time. So his favorite met was Todd Hunley. Yeah, he was a big Hunley guy. (laughs) Has anybody else worn nine for the Mets? Oh, well, how could you give away nine after Hunley's one? Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Mets who wore nine. Mets used to be on Channel 9. That's right. So uh, that was something. Well, nine now is Brandon Nemo. So maybe oh, hopefully good. that will be retired. Yeah, I hope so. But in all likelihood, that'll be available <laughs> next year. Okay. Uh, what about Mike C.? All right, Mike C. says the most unrealistic part of the episode is that Maroon Golf still had room to back up and the car behind it wasn't right up on its bumper. In New yeah, York I City thought traffic. the same thing. Yeah, that's a little chester Yeah. But it's true. They, they did say, the like the inside look people, the, the producers were saying that like it was very hard to sort of block you know, they like 100 cars. Right. That they actually, it, was, it was very hard to, to block it. And you see like they're shooting from a cab where like they have a camera on it. It's very, it's a complicated, it was probably their most complicated uh, set. A lot of moving parts. Uh, Sean Falconer says, I met Dan the Benefactor last week. I was at a bowling league and he recognized my name and he came up and introduced himself. 
So they're just randomly meeting each other in the middle of the Bay Area. They've never met before. They don't know what each other looks like. Yes. Recognize his name. That's crazy, no? That our listeners you know, that's are just interesting, though, each other in public. Because, yeah, if I think about it, because I've met Dan the Benefactor, uh, and I was mm-hmm. in the Bay Area when I met him, and I know Sean Falconer is in the Bay Area, and I, mm-hmm. I just, but because Dan the Benefactor is a Washington sports fan, uh, mm-hmm. I just assume that, uh, that he lives in Washington, but I guess that makes sense. I didn't even know that he likes he likes like the Seahawks. No, why DC? Oh, well, right, right, yeah, yeah. I was confused. Like, yeah, he's a Nationals fan, right? Um, yeah, no. All right, so now you guys should become friends, Sean Falconer, Dan the Benefactor. Yes, uh, even you have, though you have uh, Saturdays free where you don't have to listen to this show anymore, you could hang out. Okay. What about Lindsay? How do you feel about parades, guys? I always find them pretty underwhelming, but I'm also from a very small town, so the parades always involve like 20 people. The Macy's-esque ones could probably be cool, right? Yeah, the Macy's Parade is like a spectacle. Yeah. With the big floats. Yeah. The, I'm, the big parade's like, are you a marching band no. fan? Like, are you okay? Listening? You know, I, no, actually, so. I, I like marching bands doing covers of, like, real songs. Yes. Like at a, at a halftime of a college Yeah, I, I can get into that. I like that. Um, the, the local town parade, to me, is kind of dorky. The only time it's okay is, like, uh, the only ones I've been to that weren't totally, like, oh, I got to get out of here right now is, like, like a firefighter like does something heroic and is honored or like or a firefighter a cop is like killed in line of service then you have like that small town it's not really a parade as much as like uh like a memorial where people like march up and down the street but like the small town parades where it's like thanksgiving parade but there's only like 20 people that's kind of lame or like a homecoming for a small town the parade at disneyland uh i feel like is a nice break from the day at disneyland yeah that's true not that you don't i'm just saying it's like it's hot like uh let me sit down for a little while I always kind of think it's like a way it's well done, but I always think like, oh, we could I'd rather do another run. Yeah, but sometimes than, you than that, that is like the uh, the titular Puerto Rican day uh, in Disneyland where sometimes you're just like, oh, well, I'd like to get over there. But there's a parade. Right. happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That blocks traffic. That's true. If you're in that that part of the park, you're right. OK, what about Amir? All right. So Amir says Elaine comments that they left the game because we were getting shellacked. Emphasis on the we. Elaine is an established Orioles fan. There's no we. First of all, maybe she's an NL team. Second of all, do we know who the Mets are playing in this game? Hmm. Well, there could Here's be my theory. interleague play. It so is how about this? Interleague play. The Mets are down 10 nothing, 9 nothing. The Mets are up 9 nothing. They leave the game because it's a blowout. While they're in the car, the Orioles score 15 runs. Now it's 15-9. to nine. And she says we were getting shellacked. The Orioles were losing. She doesn't care. She's not a big enough fan to care that they're lead, you know, winning now. She was excited when she was at the game, but now she doesn't care. But Jerry cares because he's a bigger Mets fan than Elaine is an Orioles fan. So now they're down 15-9, to nine, and Jerry's getting excited because they scored two runs there. They never say it's 9-2, right? They just say we scored two runs. Right. Um, let me give you a different theory. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interleague play, and the Mets are playing another AL East rival, say the Red Sox or the mm. Blue Jays or the yeah. newly minted uh, Devil Rays, right? They were there. Could have been the Yankees, even. Could have been the Subway Series. Could, could have been the Subway Series. I think there'd be more juice for the Subway Series. When did the Devil I Rays come? So. Devil Rays, did, did they? I think that this might have been the first season of the Devil Rays in 1998. Second, uh, second, second season. Second season? I think 97 was their first, yeah. Okay. So. Elaine felt like, oh, we were losing because she wanted uh, the Mets to beat that team. Yeah. Oh, so she would say we. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. Okay. This is the second time Elaine has made disparaging remarks about a child being born out of wedlock. Yeah. With the first one, the little bastard from the hot tub episode. 
What's her issue? Like, she seems to be a pretty liberal person. Why does she care about? She's this? very puritanical. She cares a lot about uh, the the family, like the the like traditional family. Doesn't the seem nuclear like family? She's like a real Dan Quayle. Yeah, it seems like uh, it seems like. Uh, you know, something that Elaine would not care about. I, again, I don't think that she ultimately cares. She's just judgmental. Yeah, she wants to gossip about it. That she turns around and gossips about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's more I of a guess. gossip than somebody who's anti um, a child being born out of wedlock. Uh, Kramer claims to have spent that much on aftershave. Uh, that much being like a million and a half dollars, which is what the apartment <laughs> costs. Amir says, not only is it a bold lie based on the amount being spent, but we also know that he switched to butter. Right. His name also isn't HP uh, Pennypacker. Yeah. So I think that uh, Cosmo Kramer does not spend that kind of money on aftershave. But in this, you know, fake backstory, perhaps H.P. Pennypacker does. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't get too worked up about it. Right. Okay. Here is Chester. Chester. You know, his his parents call him Alexander, not Alex. Okay, that makes sense. I feel like there's a lot of parents. It's a very long formal name. Alex. And it's four four uh, syllables. Yeah, I could see it, though. Alexander Chester, you get here. I don't know what his middle name is. Alexander Chester, you get here right now. I think it's Lewis, right? You think it's Alexander Lewis Chester? Yeah. Maybe Arthur Chester. I don't know. (laughs) Alexander Arthur Chester. I can see him Arthur. Let me. I'm going to ask him while you while you read this. I'm going to ask him his middle name. Is he named after uh, the president? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I would. I like. I could put. I would put his put it past his parents. He might be. Yes. He does uh, follow political history uh, very closely. Yeah. I could see Jerry, his dad, doing that too. Okay. So I still don't uh, think his dad likes me. By the way. I mean, he's on, he's on 32 fans this week and uh, he didn't sound like he was doing to me. OK, AC says there's nothing worse than being in the city on those Sundays when there's a parade on Fifth Avenue. This is a very relatable episode for anyone who has spent the summer in Manhattan. What was the part that Chester found so relatable? I guess being stuck in traffic. Not not the flag burning. Not, yo, no, 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 not the flag okay. burning. no I mean, yes, relatable. the flag burning, but that it's not just summer in Manhattan. That's just wherever he is. Yes. In what world would a movie theater audience be happy about some a-hole ruining the movie with a laser pointer? Yeah, again, like not only would he have been kicked out, like the whole, uh, let's say, AMC chain would have banned him for life. Right. Maybe there was a novelty. This was like the first day somebody went to movie for theater. For like a week, but yeah, it's possible. Maybe this was like, see, but again, it's, you could say like maybe it's the day before they found out, but the whole thing is about, oh, it bothers your eyes. So, okay, I don't know. And then uh, the uh, Chester Award for the uh, most uh, Chester-esque performance in the emails does go to Alexander Lewis Chester, who says uh, they're driving back from Shea Stadium back to the Upper West Side and they're stuck at Fifth Avenue. So we know we're on the Upper East Side. The idea that you could rent a four-bathroom apartment on the Upper East Side for $1.5 million is the most dated reference in the entire series. It'd be difficult to find a two-bathroom apartment on the Upper East Side for $1.5 million. What if it was like a one-bedroom but four-bathroom? Uh, I, I don't want to <laughs> do Manhattan real estate. Okay. Stop. Stop. I don't know if there are one-bedroom but four-bathroom places in the world. It mm-hmm. just seems like a funny idea. Okay. Sorry. All right. There you go. Keeve, uh and the Puerto Rican yeah. Day is in the books. Put in the books. Put it well, in the, the lost, books. So. Uh, the happy it's recap. Not a happy, yeah. It's not a happy recap, yes. Not a happy recap. All right. Keeve, so next week we have the clip show. Yes. We got the clip show. If you have any questions about the clip show, I guess you could send them in. If you have any um, clips from this show that you want us to play, send them in. If you have any trivia questions, send them to at HSTER99, or if you can't remember that, ask me where to send it. But don't send them straight to me because I don't want to see the questions. Right. I'm going to keep this. Uh, 
you know, I don't I wouldn't want to cheat. See, Rob, if I was I, I, I was not a studier in school, like I didn't mind paying attention in class, but I hated studying. Mm hmm. Um, so like if I was a studier, if I was like a Chester type, I would go back this week and like read a bunch of episodes, maybe read some Seinfeld scripts to prepare, but I don't think I'm going to do, are you going to do any prep for the trivia contest next week? Uh, no, probably not. I mean, uh, other than I'll watch the clip show. Well, the clip show may refresh our memory on certain things. That is true. Yes. Uh, Keith, can I reveal the other big announcement that we had? Yes, since I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. That uh, for next week's clip show that uh, features uh, very heavily the uh, montage set to Green Day's uh, Time of Your Life that Akiva, for the first time, was going to sing on the podcast and sing his rendition of that Green Day classic. Oh, no. I I did not know about this. I'm going to have to take like voice lessons. (laughs) Some well, that was uh, unpredictable, and in the end, it will not be right. <laughs> so be on the I mean, I'm right. like I know I know my weaknesses. Like I my sing my sing voice is just like I can't even do karaoke. My voice is that bad. Okay, all right. Well, Keeve, uh, great job. Uh, one thing. What is the hashtag today? Uh, something about Young Sheldon, maybe. <laughs> like, don't tell Mara about Young Sheldon. <laughs> don't tell Mara about Young Sheldon. Uh, that is a long hashtag. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> what else are you going to put in that tweet? You have the truth is else. your name. I, I, th- didn't Twitter promise that they'd like take certain things out, like links out of the characters? Like your name is is too long for Twitter. Yes, <laughs> that, you should have been like Rob Rob C. At yeah, at Sesty twenty six. Because like any t- if I ever wanted to like tweet about the podcast, it's like all right, I could like tag you, but that's like half the tweet, or I could not tag you, and then like you'll never see it. Yeah. Okay. I also saw you went above three thousand people you follow. We gotta we gotta really do something about this okay. before the show's over. All right, well we'll see. That the uh the bottom ten will be unfollowed. Uh Any, no, anyone who doesn't come to the live show you unfollow. How about that? Yes. That's fair. Yes, I'll go through and unfollow a bunch of people for uh, next week's finale. All right. Uh hashtag uh young Sheldon flag, is that what you wanna uh, go with? The shorter version? Young Sheldon flag? That's fine, yeah. Okay. Uh, and breaking news, Alexander Chester does not have a middle name. Okay. Right, but his Hebrew name, I've yes. never heard this name before, Huna Alexander. Huna? Huna. Can you say ha? Huna Matata? Yeah, like Hakuna Matata, but with a ha. Okay. All right. I mean, that's not a normal name. Can we call name. him that for Maybe short? that's like a South African name. I don't know what that... Can we call him Huna? Yeah, we're... Oh, he's Huna. He's going to regret letting us know. <laughs> That, that the he, big Khuna. I almost want to start the podcast again just to call him Khuna for a hundred years. <laughs> it's All the right. Yiddish version of Hanan. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Great stuff. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Scott St. Pierre. Thanks so much to Mike Moore, who's uh, been writing all of these recaps up. We will see you next week uh, for our clip show recap. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.